you have your Bible, please turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 12. In the scripture, we will find that the word of God is always going to bring us to the main thing. And the main thing for the believer is a relationship with God. The main thing is God. The main thing is Jesus, who is our God. In Paul's letter to the church at Rome, he wanted to make sure that we understood very clearly the reason for our faith. In a day and age that we live in where everything around us wants you and I to make everything about ourselves. Everything is designed to make you happy. Every commercial, everything on social media is designed for you to place yourself and by default, a for-profit enterprise that this world has created and that the Bible calls mammon. Money being the center of everything that this world is pushing on each and every one of us in commercials. You don't know you need something until you see a commercial and then you think you need it. Kids watch cartoons and the commercials in between the cartoons are going to try and convince the children that they need something else. And we have been raised in this kind of world, this kind of age. We have been raised in a culture where consuming and purchasing is the center of everything that we are pressured into doing. It's a challenge for the church. It's a challenge for our God to keep the believer's heart and mind pure and free of being influenced into things that will convince them that they need to make life about themselves. Can I hear an amen? In our faith, we have to remind ourselves that walking with Jesus is all about God. The salvation that God offers through his son, Jesus Christ, is such that it delivered us from sin. It set us free from being captive to sin, addictions, depression, all the negativities of this world. The scripture in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bible there, please um, say amen. If you don't have it, go ahead and turn there. Amen. We're there already. Praise the Lord. If I were to give today's message a title, I would call it Make Up Your Mind. Make Up Your Mind. Because I believe that making up our minds has everything to do with whether or not we are allowing the Word of God to transform the way we think, to keep the why, to keep the purpose, to keep our focus 
on Christ. It's the why. Romans chapter 12, I'm reading from the King James Version for a change today. Normally I read from the New International Version. But the King James says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Somebody say living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. The Greek word is ion, which means age or time. Be not conformed to this time. Be not conformed to this age. How many of you know that we live in the, the information age? When computers busted out on the scene several decades ago, it changed the way we live. Computers changed everything. Everything is automated. Robots are taking people's jobs. Last week, Brother Ruben said, but artificial intelligence can't evangelize people, but I have to take him up on that one. How many of you heard of, uh, what, what, what's that one app where you can write essays? Chat GP? GPT. Chat GPT. Artificial intelligence. Folks are writing sermons. Can you believe that? Don't be tempted, sister. She's in Bible college. She said, uh-oh. And be not conformed to this age, to the information age. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father God, I come before you today, and Lord Jesus, we are careful to keep you at the center of everything that we do. Lord Jesus, our hearts, our minds. Lord, our eyes, Lord Jesus, forgive us, Father, when we wander. Forgive us, Father God, when we struggle. Forgive us, Father God, when we are frustrated. Forgive us, Father God, when we, when we leave off the path, the straight and narrow. But Lord, keep our eyes focused on you, Lord Jesus. Keep the word of God at the center of everything that we do, O oh Lord. Father God, we pray that you would direct us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name and the people of God said, and the people of God said, amen, amen, amen. Paul wanted to make sure that we understood the purpose of his letter to the Romans. And in Romans chapter 1, if our technicians can turn there for me on the wall, you can turn there in your Bible. Look what it says. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. It kind of reminds me of what we see here in chapter 12. Look what it says in chapter 12. It says that, it says, by the mercies of God, verse 1, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice and holy. Anybody know what it means to be holy? It means set apart. It means that you belong to God. Paul, at the beginning of this book in chapter 1, says, I was set apart because I belong to God. And now, 12 chapters later, 
Now we are moving into the imperative mood of his letter where the previous 11 chapters were the indicative where Paul was talking about what God had done. He had already done. Now he brings us to the point where he now is going to launch us into application, spiritual application. And in his imperative mood, he says, now go, now do. Somebody say, now do. That's why I entitled the message, Make Up Your Mind. Because Paul, what he's really trying to say when he says, I beseech you, perakalo, okay? Kalo comes from the Greek word kaleo, which means to call. So perakalo or perakaleo means that I, I call you with urgency. I, I'm, I'm calling upon you. I beg of you. Or in uh, Sherlock Holmes language, I pray thee, right? Make up your mind, Paul says. He says, make up your mind. He says, because I too am an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, I too have been called. I too have been set apart. I too belong to God. And the reason that I belong to God, Paul says, is because of what Jesus Christ has already done for the world. In other words, Paul's premise, Paul's main point is that Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice. As a matter of fact, he died. And Paul says, you know what? You don't have to go to, to those great lengths. You don't have to die physically necessarily unless that's what God requires and asks of us. He says, but present yourselves as a what? Living sacrifice. In other words, present your body, somato or somata. The Greek word for body. He uses here in chapter 12, he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The last time I checked, we use our bodies to put them into motion. We use our bodies to talk. We use our bodies to walk. We use our bodies to serve. We use our bodies to do so many things. And Paul is directing us to dedicate and commit our lives, our bodies, our purpose, everything that we are, unto him for his purposes and not our own. Over the last couple of years coming out of the pandemic, you know, people have made their messaging very, very clear. You know what? You deserve everything. You, you, you know what? You should go after this. You should go after that. It's all about making you happy. You know, people in marriage, you know, making everything just about my happiness. I'm not happy anymore. I want to divorce. Oh, I'm not happy anymore. This is too hard. I'm going to quit. Whatever happened to resilience, whatever happened to perseverance, whatever happened to dedication, whatever happened to commitment, Whatever happened to the principles of the hard work that the builders generation established and put into place for all of us and that the boomers continue teaching our generation, generation, my generation X, how to work. By the sweat of our brow. How to finish what you start. The Apostle Paul is calling the church in Rome into a commitment and a dedication and he's saying, the sole purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to live for Father God. 
We are called to live for God, not for ourselves, not for the appetites of our stomachs, not for the appetites of our soul. But to live for him. And whatever you do at work, you live for God. If you're a teacher, you teach for God. If you work for the gas company, work for God. Give glory to God. You're in construction, build unto God everything that you do. If you're a driver and you're in the service industry, if you're in the restaurant business, serve as unto God. Do everything with the purpose of glorifying God. That is our reasonable service. Verse 2 of chapter 1. I'm going back to chapter 1 because I believe that it lays out for us why we are in chapter 12 and why Paul is saying some of the things that he's saying. He says, the gospel he promised, in other words, Father God, beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures regarding his son. Somebody say his son. Who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection. So for me, when I read the word resurrection, it makes me want to understand what's a resurrection. Oh, it means he was raised from the dead. Oh, that means he died. That means Paul is calling us unto a, to be living sacrifices, whereas Jesus already did the heavy lifting for us. He gave his life as a sacrifice. And he had to trust that his father was going to raise him again and that the Old Testament prophecies would be fulfilled and on the third day that he would conquer death. In, in a day and age, I'm sorry, I'm going to make it hard on the tech team. You know what happens when I grab the mic. That means I got a thought. You got people that are changing religions. You got people that are replacing their faith in Christ with nationalistic pride. They worship the flag, not just in the United States of America, but all over the globe. You got Christians doubting the authorship of the Word of God, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We got various interest groups that are pushing against the very word of God that you and I have held as the authority of God inspired by the Holy Spirit through men and given unto men so that we might have the opportunity to be reconciled to Almighty God, our Creator. We're saying, well, Pastor Josh, how does, this, how does this help me? How does this benefit me? And that's the issue of the information age is that everybody is in it for themselves. Or I want to I serve a God, or I want to be a part of a religion, or I want to be a part of a faith that serves me. What's in it for me? What are the benefits for me? If it doesn't push forward my political agenda, if it doesn't push forward the things that I want to see happen in this world, how does my faith serve me? That's a lie from the devil. And that is why the Apostle Paul is telling us that we have to push back against the information age, against the pressures of this age, the pressures of this world, and, and we have to hold on to the Word of God. 
we have to turn our eyes unto God. We have to shake loose all those leeches that are that are trying to suck you dry and suck me dry and make us anemic, weak Christians. The enemy, when you wake up in the morning, does the devil say, oh, shoot? Or does he say, ah, he's a lame. She's a pushover. I got her. I got him. They don't even read the Bible. They don't even know what they believe. That's why they're so easily influenced. Spend, we, they, that, oh, that, they spend more time on social media than in the Word. I'm telling you, God's calling us to a greater commitment to Him. If you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. I heard somebody say one time. We got to stand for something. And we got to stay rooted in it. We got to stay booted. Ten toes down. I ain't going anywhere. Pastor Boomy and I, we ain't going anywhere. We're just getting a refresher. It's not even a halftime. It's not even a timeout. It says we're just going to spend some good, much-needed time with each other. I'm going to take care of my bride. And we're, we're going to stay in the Word of God. We're going to have our devotions in the Word of God in Paris. Then we're going to fly over to Rome, Italy, and we're going to be spending time in the Word of God, praying in the Spirit, evangelizing wherever we go, speaking a little more Spanish than English when we're in Paris. We heard that the, that the French don't really like the Americans very much. So I'm going to be speaking a lot of Spanish. They're going to think I'm from Spain, and I'm going to be saying Joe and, and my wife, Boomy. They're going to think she's Moorish Spanish. She's one of my... So, so anyway, God's calling us to understand what our faith means, what it's all about, and we need to understand what's going on around us. Otherwise, we're going to get lost. Otherwise, we're just going to keep going through the motions, and you're going to stay at the same place spiritually for a very, very long time. Because if you don't grow and you're stagnant, that means you're not being fruitful for the Lord. It means we're not, that means we're not growing in the Word of God. It means we're not growing in our prayer lives. It means that the Holy Spirit is not active, and He's not actively involved in our lives. And work is good. Somebody say work is good. But if we're workaholics and we make everything that we're about about work, you're going to find out very soon that you will be all consumed with almighty work. Even ministry, which is why this is a great and healthy experience for my wife and I to step away from the ministry because I'm not Jesus. My, may, my name may be Joshua, it may be Yeshua, but I am not the Son of God. I am not the Messiah. I am not God. I'm just a German shepherd nipping at the heels of the sheep, people's, God's people. I'm just a person. I'm just an individual just like you who comes straight from the pews just like you. 
God didn't make me any different from any of you. And I had to let go of the reins, trust God, trust the process, and know that this church, the Bible says the, the gate, the, the, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Pastor Joe said it best. This is his church. We are his bride. Amen? That's right. Verse 5 in, in chapter 1, it says, Through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. It says that we will reach everybody, even unto the Gentiles. Paul says that is significant that's significant for us because it what it means is like Pastor Koba said yes what we experience here when we worship when we gather we receive inspiration we receive revelation from God the Word of God builds us up the Word of God refines us worship brings healing worship brings deliverance hallelujah when we sing the praises unto God, we are prophesying the goodness and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ unto all who will listen. But the moment we receive salvation unto an eternal life, by the way, eternal life shows up in the Bible about 41 times, primarily in the New Testament. But the word salvation is mentioned 458 times throughout all of Scripture. So that moves us into our next phase here in the sermon. What is the purpose of our lives? Why are we committing ourselves as a living sacrifice unto God? Because once we became the fruit of someone's ministry, once we became the fruit of the seed of faith that somebody planted in your heart, whether in vacation Bible school, whether at um, Young Life, whether, whether here at a, at a church or somewhere else, Maybe on your own, the Holy Spirit got a hold of you. Maybe at a, at a church where you were raised. Maybe by a grandparent who used to sing songs over you and, and prophesy and proclaim God, God's goodness over your life. Wherever it is, some other country around the world, guess what? Once the seed of faith gave birth in your life and you were born again and you received salvation and you received eternal life, you did not cross the finish line. You just got out the blocks. The moment you said yes to Jesus, you began the race. You began the race. By the way, did anybody see the national championships the other day with Sydney McLaughlin, McLaughlin uh, Lebroni? After she ran the 400, they said, Lewis, Lewis said, Sydney, how do you keep wowing us with breaking all these records? She said, I just stayed focused. How do you stay focused? She goes, I just stay focused on the word of God. What were you mumbling under your breath? She, was, she said, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Somebody say it's the word of God. So in other words, as soon as that seed gives life to you and salvation unto your life, now we are set in motion for God. 
We are activated for God. Some will be called into full-time ministry. Most of us will continue to work a secular job where you can be used in a greater way than even a pastor can because of where you are. Because of where you are. Because of where you go. Because of who you interact with on a daily basis. Billy Graham said, a coach will impact more people in one year sometimes than most will in a lifetime. If you're a coach, if you have influence, we have to continue to shape and direct. We have to continue to dedicate our businesses and our jobs unto him to be used for his glory pushing forth the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? And in verse 2 of chapter 12, let's go back to verse 2 of chapter 12. It's important that we understand what it means to not be conformed to this age, to this world. He says, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why we need to understand Terms like eschatology. Can you say eschatology? Eschatology means it's the study of the end times, the end of times. If you ask a Christian what they believe about Jesus' second coming, or if, or if somebody believes in the rapture, if somebody believes in heaven or hell, you need to know how to respond. If you don't know how to respond, and I know I have a house full of scholars and, and a whole bunch of educated people in this place, folks who love the word of God. But if you don't know how to respond and you don't understand the significance between heaven and hell and what it means when we die, whether we die in Christ or whether we die rejecting Christ, then what will your faith amount to? If you don't know what your eyes are focused on, then you're going to be distracted and you're going to be swayed by all the different winds of life and philosophy and thought and information and knowledge. Just because you have all of that doesn't make you a wise person. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter, seven, chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's the fear of the Lord and in the recognition of the fact that we are in need of forgiveness of sin. God calls us into a relationship with him where we must accept and receive Jesus Christ into our hearts as our Lord and our Savior. Eschatology says it, it's the part of theology concerned with death, judgment, and the final destiny of the soul and of humankind. So my question for us is, where will we spend our eternity? Where will you spend your eternity? In heaven or in hell? Jesus came to preach a message of repentance and salvation for the forgiveness of sins. A baptism of the forgiveness of sins. That's important for us as believers to understand. 
so that it is a part of our faith and it's a part of our walk with Jesus. Otherwise, you have no conviction. Otherwise, we just cut the Bible up. Permanent marker through the scriptures we don't like. Cut and paste on Bible Gateway our favorite scriptures and leave out all the tough ones that talk about the consequences and the wrath of God for disobedience. There's a reason why God is, and Paul is calling us to this great commitment. He says, acceptable and pleasing unto God. And that is what obedience is. And that is what trusting God is. Because someone else's faith is dependent upon your obedience to God. Oh, oh, oh but, but don't worry. Don't worry. God's bigger than you. He's bigger than me. He's bigger than my morality. He's bigger than whether or not I, I, I can keep the word of God and, and live a, a blameless life for, for an hour or not. Or if, I, or if I fall and I fail big time, God can move in spite of my failures. God can do what he wants to do because he is a sovereign God in spite of our mistakes. And that's why the blood of Jesus and his grace and his mercy is so important and why this message has got to get out to the world. You got young people, I don't believe in heaven. I don't believe in hell. You got young people, I, I, I don't want to have kids. So the Bible says be fruitful and multiply. People are having dogs and, and pets instead of kids. People are afraid to raise their, I'm a, I don't want to raise my, my children in this, this dark and, and ugly world. It's always been dark and ugly and full of sin, and that's why God wants you to be salt and light in this world. That's why God wants you to raise your children and teach them the word of God. And when they come to church, we just underline what mom and dad already said, what Theo and Thea already said, what grandma and grandpa have been praying and singing over you all your life. Do not be conformed to the ways of this age, but be ye transformed. Talks about metamorphosis, that we're transformed. By the renewing of our mind. The last time I checked, our minds will be influenced by the things that we allow to enter into these eyes, into these ears, and into our hearts. And that's why the Word of God is so significant in this portion of Scripture for the Apostle Paul. He says that we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Somebody say the renewing of our minds. Our world will keep changing. It doesn't mean that our faith has got to change. Maybe our methods and how to reach the masses will change a little bit and we'll have a little bit of social media so we can redeem it. But we have to stay committed all the more. What did Jesus say in Matthew 6, 24? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold on to the one and despise the other. Yet he cannot serve God and money. God and self. Money ultimately is about us. We're called to serve him. I'm going to end with this story. A friend of mine named George Hicker played basketball at Syracuse University. 
had a great sports career until a car accident cut his career short. So he said, what am I going to do with all this competitive drive? He went into the music industry and became an agent. He became an agent for one of the most famous musicians, singers, and entertainers of his day. And I'm not going to say the person's name. He made a lot of money in that business because the person that he represented was a multi, multi, multi-millionaire during the 70s. Until one day, he walked into the hotel room, his own hotel room, and this person was under the bed stealing money from his own agent. You look to his right, there was sex, drugs, rock and roll, a whole lot of women, a whole lot of darkness, a whole lot of wickedness. And he says, this business isn't for me. I'm going to get out of this music business. So he left the music business. He went into commercial real estate. And then he met a man, a man named Willie Knowles, who played in the NBA, N-A-U-L-L-S. And Willie began to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with my friend, dear friend George Hicker. He says, George, I can tell you all about God and his love through his son, Jesus Christ. But the best thing I can do for you is to give you this Bible. He says, I read my Bible every day. I encourage you to do the same. Willie Knowles gave George Hicker a Bible. And the word of God changed George Hicker's life. He dedicated his life after that to Jesus and to the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, where he supports, in some cases, completely funds Christian missionary work and the gospel all over the world. We've been the beneficiaries of his donations many times. I'm bragging on him now, and he wouldn't want me to, but when we built this sanctuary, he gave us the largest gift. When I called him, it says, Brother George, brother, brother, would you consider helping us? He was a friend of mine through Fellowship of Christian Athletes. When I was the director, he was my board chairman and helped me raise millions of dollars for the gospel of Jesus Christ so we can raise staff members, people like Steve Salgado that are doing God's work still with FCA, going on to high school campuses, to the beaches, the courts, and the sports fields, to pastor these kids who don't know Jesus. They know the influencers on social media, but they don't know Jesus. After, after, after FCA one day, a little side note, Steve was there bringing pizzas and Bibles at San Pedro High School. They call it flagship. Teenager came to him and said, Pastor Steve, I wasn't going to come today, but something told me to come to this Bible study. I was going to take my life. And after hearing the message of Jesus, I changed my mind.
Did you know that there's apps and programs out there where people are teaching and showing folks how to take their own lives? I went to a funeral this Friday of a friend of mine who was my peer growing up who took his own life. May the Lord have mercy on him and his family. He lived less than a mile away from Mission Ebenezer Family Church, and I lost contact with him 30 years ago. God did a miracle and brought our, our friend that we have in common. He's bringing his two daughters to VBS this week. I haven't seen him in 30 years. It was a miracle. He said, Josh, I said, such and such. I don't want to say his name. It had been 30 years. And I asked about our friend, and he said, man, he just passed away three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. I know I'm not Jesus. I just wonder what if I had been able to run into my friend 22 days ago as opposed to 21. You never know what God wants to say through you. You never know what God wants to do through you. That's the reason why the Apostle Paul committed his life to the work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So that somebody else might be the recipients of grace and forgiveness and eternal life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We love you. Your word is so full of truth. May we never trivialize it. May we never reduce it to simple philosophy. May we never reduce it to morality. But may we all understand the significance of salvation, the forgiveness of sin, and eternal life. Because it's only made possible through you, Jesus. Help us to be bodies who are acceptable, whose lives are pleasing, and whose responsibility, according to this reasonable service of gratitude, because of what you did for us. Lord, we don't know where we would be if it wasn't for you. We don't know how lost we would be, even if we would even still be alive. And Lord, somebody else needs to hear this message. Somebody else needs to be wrapped in your loving arms. Somebody else needs to be reminded that you're a faithful God. So Lord, won't you shape our minds, shape our hearts, and fix our eyes on you. Let us...